Hello, and welcome to Holly History, where we discuss what you want to hear. Bringing you the story and answering your questions. No fake news, no alternative facts. Just history, all the time. Welcome back to Holly History, where we discuss what you want to hear. Uh, Mr. Chrisman here, taking over the podcast today. Uh, Our subject today is the American Revolution. Uh, Before we get started, I do want to point out, uh, you know, we could probably do a multiple part series about the American Revolution. I'm going to try and keep this as short as I can. Really going to focus more on the political and social aspects of the revolution rather than the military. Uh, I will talk some about some of the battles, but I'm not going to get into strategy and things like that. Uh, Again, we're just trying to keep this as an overview. So if you listen to the last podcast, uh, Mr. DeMuro uh, did the Road to Revolution, uh, which talked about all the British taxes leading up to the revolution. You have conflict between the colonists and the British government. Uh, and that all culminates with a shot heard around the world at Lexington and Concord. And those are really considered to be the first battles of the American Revolution. Um, many Americans have this feeling that, you know, one, once those that shot heard around the world is fired, uh, American, American colonists are talking about independence, let's break away, uh, and, and let's, uh, let's create our own country. Uh, if, if you actually do some, some diving into the primary sources from the time period, nothing can be farther from the truth. Um, most colonists are not talking about independence uh, in 1775. Many of them feel that this is uh, a conflict that's gone on for too long, that uh, the British government simply needs to listen to the colonists and listen to what their concerns are, make changes, uh, and all would be good. The same is true after the, the battle at Lexington and Concord. Um, the colonists agree that they need to meet uh, so, you know, in, in order to get that done, it, the meeting doesn't take place until June uh, 14th of 1775. At least that's when it starts. And this meeting becomes known as the Second, Con- Second Continental Congress. So that five times fast. Uh, at the Second Continental Congress, the, the colonists are doing two very different things at the same time. Uh, first, they're, they're trying to indicate to the king that they want peace. Um, they send a uh, document known as the Olive Branch Petition to the king. Uh, an olive branch is a symbol of peace, just like a dove. Um, and they put that together by July 8th of 1775, basically saying that they were, they were loyal to the king, but they felt that the king and the, the government, parliament itself, uh, was not listening and that they had gone too far, but if the, the grievances could be redressed, uh, that the colonists would... Um, continue and maintain their British loyalty. Uh, but at the same time they're doing that, they are also organizing an army, uh, not a militia like they did before at the First Continental Congress. They're organizing an army, a full-time army with George Washington as the commander, and they're actually allocating money um, to get that army fed and supplied and, uh, and going. Now, the king... 
Uh, won't get that olive branch petition until much, much later because the document has to cross the ocean. It has to get to the king. Um, on August 23rd of 1775, the king declared the colonies to be an open rebellion after hearing about the Battle of Bunker Hill, which occurred outside of Boston. Now, Battle of Bunker Hill is kind of interesting. Uh, so in a timeline, that would be on June 17th of 1775. So it's it's actually just a couple days into the meeting of the Second Continental Congress. Um, it took place on a hill outside of Boston. Uh, the the colonists were actually supposed to build uh, fortifications on a hill called Bunker Hill. They accidentally built it, the fortification on Breed's Hill. Uh, and because of that, they renamed Breed's Hill Bunker Hill. Um, the American colonists at this battle, though, just inflict tremendous uh, amounts of casualties on the British. Um, the colonists themselves are short on ammunition. So um, Israel Putnam, the commander of the American troops, famously told his men, don't shoot until you see the whites of their eyes, uh, meaning that don't shoot until British soldiers are incredibly close. Uh, now, the colonists actually lose the battle, uh, but they will win in basically in the court of public opinion. Um, so they, they actually give ground, meaning that they actually uh, surrender the fort that they had uh, created, uh, but the cost was uh, very, very high uh, for the British. 207 soldiers killed, 766 wounded, uh, which included 19 officers killed and 62 officers uh, wounded. This is, uh, for the British, this is the worst battle of the entire American Revolution casualty-wise. Um, so in addition to ordering the colonies to be an open rebellion, after this battle, uh, the king ordered a naval blockade of the colonies. Uh, and many historians feel you know that's kind of the, the turning point here. So the colonists have a choice. They can either be subjects to the king, which means that they are not citizens, they have no say in their government, they have to basically do what they're told, that's what a subject is, or they have to embrace independence. Uh, and this is kind of the, kind of the, the turning point, the hinge, uh, if you will, um, for the American Revolution. Thomas Paine, an American colonist, uh, is going to publish a pamphlet titled Common Sense in January of 1776. Uh, his basic message was that the king was not a good leader, Britain was not looking after its colonies, uh, and that the colonists should embrace uh, independence. Um, the Regents' Exam historically has used quotes from uh, Tom from Thomas Paine's Common Sense. I just want to share a couple of them with you. Um, these quotes are in Old English, but they're clear enough, I think, to understand what it is he's trying to say. So I'm going to start with one that deals with um, Britain's ability to rule the colonists. Uh, so Thomas Paine says, quote, Small islands not capable of protecting themselves are the proper subjects for kingdoms to take under their care. But there is something very absurd in supposing a continent to be perpetually governed by an island. In no instance hath nature made the satellite larger than its primary planet, and as England and America. With respect to each other, reverses the common order of nature, it is evident that they belong to different systems. England to Europe, America to itself. He continues on uh, in the pamphlet, and I, again, I quote Thomas Paine, I challenge the warmest advocate for reconciliation to show a single advantage that this continent can reap by being connected by, with Great Britain. I repeat the challenge not as a single advantage is derived, 
Our corn will fetch its price in any market in Europe, and our imported goods must be paid for by them where we still. And probably one of the most famous quotes by Thomas from Thomas Paine's Common Sense, very short quote, again, quoting Thomas Paine, quote, Everything that is right or reasonable pleads for separation. The blood of the slain, the weeping of nature cries, tis time to part, unquote. Common Sense as a pamphlet is incredibly popular. It sells more than 100,000 copies in three months. This is in a time period where you're still using the old uh, printing presses. That's uh, very impressive uh, that that many copies can be cranked out in three months. Uh, George Washington is the commander of the Colonial Army, uh, which becomes known as the Continental Army. Uh, viewed this pamphlet as so important that he ordered it read to his men. Um, many of his men could not read. Um, and what it did is it took some colonists who were unsure about independence and kind of uh, turned them toward the independence movement. Most historians believe that you can divide colonists into uh, basically groups of thirds. You have one third who are loyalists, who are loyal to the English king. Uh, they're never for independence. You have another third who are what become known as patriots, uh, meaning that they're looking for independence. And you roughly have another third who are really just kind of waiting to see which side uh, might do well uh, and end up winning this war. Um, because of this, there are folks who start using and talking about the word independence. So the Continental Congress uh, will start to uh, create a committee uh, to draft a Declaration of Independence. Uh, among those on the committee will people be people like John Adams and Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin, amongst others. Um, Thomas Jefferson is chosen to write the final copy. And the Continental Congress voted for independence on July 2nd. 1776, a date that John Adams said would be celebrated for generations as the greatest day in American history. Uh, on July 4th, they actually approved the document that will become known as the Declaration of Independence. Um, and that's why we celebrate July 4th as Independence Day, because they approved the document itself, even though they officially declared for independence on July 2nd. Uh, very famously, John Hancock uh, signed his name very large at the bottom of the page or at the bottom of the document uh, so that the English king could read his name uh, without his spectacles. At least that's according to legend. Um, but I would like to point out that the document's not all signed in one day. Um, the last people who signed it, uh, some signed it in July. Uh, the last uh, folks to sign it didn't sign it until August. Um, matter of fact, uh, this, the colony of New York actually didn't even vote for independence on July 2nd. They abstained because they were currently being invaded by the British. There was concern that if they voted for independence, that they would there would be retribution against them. Now, the Declaration of Independence, I would say, is probably the mo one of the most important documents um, in American history. And, and in my class, we, we really break it down. I do want to kind of talk really quick about the, the four parts of the Declaration because uh, we're going to refer back to it numerous times throughout other uh, podcast shorts as we go through uh, our American history here. Um, so you start off with a preamble, which is a fancy name for an introduction, a basic introduction of why are they writing this declaration and what are their concerns. Uh, and, and essentially, the, the preamble is talking about um, the, the British government is, is not listening to the people. 
The second part of the Declaration of Independence is a statement of natural rights. Now, you can really see the connection to John Locke and the Enlightenment thinkers like Montesquieu. Um, John Locke, if you remember back to Global, uh, talked about natural rights such as life, liberty, and property. Uh, Americans will change that. Uh, they're going to talk about that, quote, all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, I'd like to point out that uh, property is, is an issue uh, when they're talking about the Declaration of Independence, because if you're talking about property, you're also talking about slaves. Slaves are considered property. So the agreement was made or a compromise was made to add this idea of pursuit of happiness. Um, and that way people can pursue their happiness. So if you if you want to have slaves, that's your pursuit of happiness. If you want to abolish slavery, that can also be your pursuit of happiness. Um, the Declaration also talks about other things like the rights of the people. Those natural rights are not given by the government. They are natural rights, meaning they're naturally born. If you're born, you get those rights. Um, and they also talk about the right of the people to alter or abolish the government if the government has a long history of abusing the rights of the people. Uh, and that phrase, alter or abolish the government, will be used numerous times throughout history uh, when folks are concerned about the power of the government. Um, the third part of the Declaration of Independence is the longest part. It's a list of grievances. Uh, it's, a grievance is just a fancy name for a complaint. Uh, basically, the colonists are listing out all the reasons why they are upset, uh, which includes a whole bunch of reasons uh, that would have been included in the Road to Revolution. Uh, no taxation without representation, armies being housed in uh, the colonists, colonists having to move out of their homes for uh, British soldiers. The fourth part of the Declaration is, is one of the shortest, but it's the Statement of Independence. It makes it all official. And the colonists uh, who signed it, the, the leaders here, are uh, they're, they're putting at risk what they call their, their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Meaning that if the Americans don't win this uh, revolution, uh, they will be executed, so they'll lose their lives. Uh, their fortunes, uh, many of them were upper class and businessmen. Uh, and their sacred honor, meaning that their names would probably be remembered throughout history as uh, being traitors. Now, with this Declaration of Independence, um, there was discussion and there was hope, at least among women, that women would be treated more equally. Um, some of the, the states, we'll call them states now that they've declared their independence, they're no longer colonies. Um, some states like New Jersey actually gave women the right to vote. Um, however, that will be rescinded later on in the early 1800s. Um, free blacks living in the United States were hoping for rights. Uh, there was also some discussion about can we get rid of slavery. Um, unfortunately for enslaved Africans and free blacks, there's still going to be a tremendous amount of discrimination. Uh, slavery is not going to be abolished as was hoped. And honestly, for, for the most part, women... Uh, are not going to see the equality that they were hoping for. Militarily, the colonists uh, do not do well. Uh, after the Battle of Bunker Hill, uh, Washington and his army will head south towards New York City. Uh, they will lose a horrible battle at Harlem Heights. Uh, they will spend the winter of, of 1776 um, not too far from Philadelphia. 
that's the winter where Washington and his troops will famously cross the Delaware River uh, Christmas Eve night to surprise Hessian troops in Trenton, New Jersey. Um, Hessian troops were German uh, mercenary troops that the British paid to go and fight for them. Um, less than a week later, Washington's going to surprise attack uh, English troops in Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, and this kind of gives the revolution some hope. Uh, there was real concern because some of the militia, their, um, their time was set to expire on January 1st of 1777. Uh, certainly with things not looking good up until uh, the battles at Trenton and Princeton, many of the militia had been talking about they were done. Um, after the surprise attacks on the Hessians and the English at, at Princeton and at Trenton, uh, many of the militia actually do re-enlist um, by October of 1770, I'm sorry, by the, the uh, summer of 1777, the British launch a major attack into New York, really trying to divide up the colonists. Um, none of the three attacks uh, are successful. The whole thing falls apart in October of 1777 at the Battle of Saratoga, which is considered the turning point of the war, uh, where Benedict Arnold, uh, fighting for the Americans, uh, led the way along with General Thomas Gates. Um, not only will the British army be defeated, but they'll be forced to surrender. The very first time uh, an entire British army will have to surrender to the American uh, troops. This is significant not only because it makes Britain look bad, but even more significant because France agreed at that point not only to send financial aid to the Americans to help in their revolution, but to, to send French troops over as well. The only catch was that France would need time to get their troops together, um, and, and the Americans would have to hang on until the spring uh, for that help to arrive. The winter of 1777 to 78 is where Washington and his troops uh, camped outside of Philadelphia in a place named, known as Valley Forge. I know there are many stories about Valley Forge, you know, as the worst winter. Uh, There's a ton of snow. Um, and that's not actually true. It was not the worst winter on record. Um, but that's not saying the American troops weren't um, suffering. And most of the suffering came from the fact that there were huge supply issues. Uh, the American um, government was not running well. It was not supplying the troops well. It was not feeding the troops well. So in the spring of 1778, French forces arrive and, and kind of the tides turn against uh, the British. Uh, 1781, uh, the Americans uh, alongside of the French army will defeat the British for the last time at Yorktown, Virginia, uh, and that's when peace talks will begin. Those peace talks will continue for two years and will culminate with the Treaty of Paris of 1783, which officially gave the United States its independence, it defined its boundaries. Uh, the Americans agreed uh, to protect loyalists who chose to, to live in the new United States of America. Although I would like to point out many of those loyalists actually moved to Canada, uh, a nearby British colony, uh, so that they actually felt safer. Uh, and the U.S. agreed to pay its pre-war debts, uh, including those for the Boston Tea Party, um, which is one of those events that really kind of set things on this trajectory towards uh, independence. The war itself was not good for Native Americans. Uh, if you listen to the previous podcast, that proclamation is 1763, that was supposed to keep peace between the Native Americans and the American colonists uh, by using the Appalachian Mountains as a dividing line, um, that's no longer in effect because the British government is no longer in charge. So now you have 
uh, Americans moving beyond the Appalachian Mountains into the Ohio River Valley uh, and moving on to Native American land and it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that that is going to create problems in the future. Many of the Native American tribes uh, during the war living in the area where the war was taking place actually assisted the British uh, army during the war um, because they felt that the British might actually give them um, some not necessarily equality but would treat them with a little more respect in American uh, the American government um, and because they sided with the British Native American tribes are treated as defeated enemies so you can imagine that does not go well the cost of the war uh, in lives is significant um, over 25,000 Americans dead uh, the British lost around 40,000 men uh, which includes loyalists who fought for the British Army. Again, they were American colonists uh, fighting against other colonists, so their numbers are relatively high. Um, and what's, what's even more astonishing than that uh, is the cost in money. I've always argued the most, most important thing you need to, to have to fight a war effectively is money. Soldiers do not fight for free. You need to feed your soldiers, you need to arm your soldiers, you need to move your soldiers. That always costs money. Um, if we look at the, the amount of debt the United States government is in at the end of the revolution, it's about $27 million worth of debt, which if you adjust for inflation over time is about $650 million today. Um, most of that money being owed to uh, Britain from before the war and to the French government for uh, assisting uh, the Americans during the revolution. So that's an overview of the revolution. Certainly I could probably spend hours talking about it, but uh, I will not bore you with uh, any more of the details than that. Maybe we'll do a special episode on uh, some of the military importances uh, and, or important battles during the American revolution. So if you have any questions uh, for us to answer or topics for us to discuss, please contact us at Holly History. Uh, or email us at hollyhistory65 at gmail.com or send us a tweet at hollyhistory. Don't forget we have a ton of episodes, including other history shorts at Holly History on SoundCloud or Holly History channel on YouTube. Uh, I'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, in our next episode, we're going to be talking about uh, the government and how our government was formed coming out of the American Revolution.